This is NER Out Loud, the official podcast of the New England Review. This podcast animates stories and poems through vocal performances, celebrating the artistic exchange between text and voice. I'm Megan Job, host of our fourth episode, bringing you two short stories by Emily Guminder and Ala Gorbanova. The stories will be read by members of Oratory Now, a center for training and research in oral expression at Middlebury College. Both these stories explore female identities and experiences, playing on themes of replacement and repetition, albeit in very different places and circumstances. First up is a story by Emily Guminder, Phnom Penh 2012, read by Emily Ma. We came as four, but left, one by one. We were replacements. We were girls. Hi, new girl. Hi, new girl, too. This was the Cambodia Daily. This was news. We'd come to replace a dead girl. Or we'd come to replace three boys and a girl. Always it's the girl who dies. The four of us, we knew nothing, or we knew not to ask. We knew the headline from the local paper, foreign reporter, dead. We heard whispers about drugs, about the three boys in the room, fired or fled, we don't know. We looked at each other and wondered, who was who? Who were the boys? The dead girl? The ghost? Secretly, we all thought she was us. We huddled around desks, elbows touching. We got shouted at. We got stares. We did everything wrong. On the street, we got offers. Lady, tuk-tuk, smoke-smoke, killing fields. At the killing fields, we walked like sleepwalkers among the skulls. Some smashed, some whole. The mud retched up a piece of cloth and we gasped. We'd believe anything, the dead coming up out of the ground. We all thought she was us. When the king died that October, we ran outside to see his face in the moon. She died with her head tilted back. We knew her name. We knew not to ask. We learned Khmer from the local news. One of our first words, boke, gang rape. It was always in the paper, three boys and a girl, or maybe four boys, five. It happened all the time. We were told not to point at the moon, bad luck. It happened all the time. Which of us was the ghost? We crashed our motorcycles. We got into scrapes. We were too pretty, or we weren't pretty enough. We were too quiet, too loud. We laughed at jokes. Who put the hyphen in rape murder? Then cried in the bathroom. It happened all the time. We talked to the dead girl's ghost. They fell in love with us. They hated us. We were sleeping with our bosses, our sources. We were sleeping with men from the other paper. We were probably sleeping with each other. They shouted. They stormed off and forgot to pay their tabs. We talked to the dead girl's ghost. Some of us fell in love with the ones who shouted most. We called in to report gossip. We called to ask what kind of mood he was in. At bars, we sat on the same stool and shouted that we were not the same person. But can I just point out that you're sitting on top of each other right now? We debated the coming coup, jumped at dark spots scuttling across the floor. We fell in love with the ones who shouted most. 
the dead girl understood. We kissed in tuk-tuks and drove through floods. We made human pyramids at bars. We lost all our money at the Chinese casino, then stumbled home drunk to make instant noodles at 3 a.m. The dead girl understood. We passed out in each other's beds, whispering things we wouldn't remember. They talked about us, who was pretty, who was fat, who dressed like a ladyboy, whose ass had that thing that made you want to look. We stayed late. We threw up in the bathroom. We never once called in sick. They called stories sexy, and we hated it. They called stories sexy, and we did too. We said things we wouldn't remember. In the morning, we woke up hungover. We got in with the right tuk-tuk drivers. We got into the right girly bars. We spotted license plates, eavesdropped in bars. We got invited to private islands. We got our fortunes told. In the morning, we woke up hungover. We were told we'd live a long time. We were told we'd live a long time. We slept with everyone. We slept with no one. We ignored messages and cried in the bathroom. We slept with someone finally just to prove that we could. We were told we'd live a long time. When he got up to walk through the kitchen, we pictured him grabbing a knife. We fought about stories. We fought all the time. We fought about foreign pedophiles, about genocide. We said it would never happen at home. We said it happened all the time. We were too mad to leave together, then got robbed alone in the street. Two men in the dark, and the dark was a knife. We screamed, but it didn't sound like our voice. For weeks, we were bored. We counted murders, took bets on lightning strikes. Then one day we saw a man get shot dead right in front of us. We crouched behind the car while the shooters debated. We couldn't breathe. We couldn't remember the things we were supposed to remember. We couldn't remember our voice. We couldn't remember our voice. We didn't tell each other everything. We realized one day that we'd stopped. Instead, we sat at bars and embellished stories, made up words. Death pat is like sex pat, except you come here to shoot up and die. We wondered if we were a kind of death pat. Maybe everyone here is a kind of death pat. We were told not to stay too long. We were told to stay away from cocaine. We stayed two years and we were still debating the coming coup. We wondered if all this would always seem real. Already there were things we forgot. We heard the story of the dead girl finally, but it wasn't the one we'd thought. Stupid girl. Everyone knows the coke here is all heroin. We still believed we were her, the dead girl, the ghost, though now we sometimes thought we might live. Most of the people who'd known her had gone. Her name came up less. We talked to her now and then, but more often we forgot. We were told we'd live a long time. We vowed to stop drinking, or we didn't. We went to meetings, or we didn't. We vowed to live our lives one day at a time. We ran. We bargained. We prayed. We prayed sick in our beds in the middle of the night. Let me live, and I swear I won't do this anymore. We prayed not to be too quiet, too loud. 
We stayed silent or we screamed at the top of our lungs. It never saved us, or it did. It never saved us, or it did. We told ourselves it was all right not to wear a helmet. Something about the night in our hair. Something about the tree blossoms hung with stars. We told ourselves no one had ever lived a life like this. We told ourselves we were bored. We told ourselves it was our voice, our scream. It was the silence that had belonged to someone else. It never saved us, or it did. We told ourselves we'd live a long time. That was Phnom Penh 2012, a story by Emily Gaminder. Emily Gaminder is the author of Dead Girls and Other Stories, winner of the Dezank Book Short Story Prize. Her work has appeared in American Short Fiction, Conjunctions, Kenyon Review, Tin House, and elsewhere. She lives in Los Angeles, where she is a PhD fellow in fiction at the University of Southern California. Phnom Penh 2012 was originally published in the New England Review in fall 2015 and appears in Dead Girls and Other Stories. It was read by Emily Ma. Emily is a sophomore theater and political science major from New York City. She is a member of the student-run musical club, Middlebury College Musical Players, and she will be performing in the upcoming spring musical, American Idiot. Next up is Biomass, a short story by Ala Gorbanova, translated from Russian by Alina Alter and read by Masha Makatonina. A teacher of literature, a highly spiritual lady, had a husband who was an alcoholic. One day her friend told her, I know this one woman, a psychic, go see her, maybe she can help. So the literature teacher takes her sad salary and goes to see the psychic. She tells her, so and so, my husband drinks, can you do something? The psychic looks at a photo of the husband and says, he doesn't have a soul. How's that? Asks the frightened literature teacher. No soul, that's how, says the psychic. Biomass. So the literature teacher goes home upset. She tries to chase away these thoughts about the soul. What nonsense, she thinks. Everyone has a soul. My husband must have one. How would he be alive without a soul? It was his soul I fell in love with once, she thinks. Not his body covered in hair, not his teeth that are rotten. That's all fine and well, and the teacher shoes the thoughts away. But the worm of doubt persists. She remembers one thing, another, a third, how he let her down here, put some stunt there, said something rude another time. And she sees that in all these situations, there is not a whiff of soul. Sometimes she comes home from work and her husband is lying in front of the TV. 
drinking beer, or he snores drunkenly at night, or sits scratching his balls and can't even take the trash out. And she sees it clearly. Biomass. No soul. None. Meanwhile, the husband sees that his wife is always upset lately. He thinks it's because of his drinking. And also the wife's friend told him that the wife went to see a psychic to get him to quit. He decides to have an honest conversation with her, explain his position and put an end to her torment. Masha, he says to her, sit down, let's talk. They sit. He looks her in the eye and says, I drank, I drink, and I'm gonna keep drinking. She is silent. He is also silent. Then she stands up and tells him, There is no feeling in your eyes, there is no truth in your replies, and there is no soul within. And she left her husband. She couldn't live with a man whose soul was missing. All else being equal, plus a soul, she would have stayed somehow, endured it. But without a soul, it's too much. And the husband was immediately snapped up by the wife's friend, the one who suggested the psychic. She had been his mistress for many years. But he still drinks like he drank. Doesn't see too big a difference. So the friend goes to the same psychic and says, So-and-so, my guy drinks, can you do something? The psychic looks at his photo and says, Well, he doesn't have a soul. Biomass. Okay, but can you recommend something for the drinking? Asks the wife's friend. The psychic gives her some herbs to put in his tea and the wife's friend goes home satisfied. There being no soul, she didn't mind that too much. She had loved this man for many years. She loved him to death. And since she loved him to death, the lack of soul didn't really concern her. The wife's friend was a simple woman. She didn't know from souls, but she loved bodies, particularly this man's. In this way they lived, and then spring came. Buds bloomed in the trees, young leaves slithered forth, crowns grew over the fragrant web of flowers. The literature teacher went to school and taught children those eternal spiritual truths that the great classic writers wrote about. Her soul yearned to rise. Soon she met a man who shared her spiritual yearnings. He was the trainer of the fitness group she had joined. This man was a true guru. He preached a healthy lifestyle and correct nutrition. They started living together, but first he asked her to get rid of her cat, because he said, Man should aspire upward toward God and not worship the lower forms of life. The teacher of literature gave the cat to her friend, the same one who now lived with her ex-husband. The friend fed the man and the cat and made sure they were comfortable and cozy. Her soul did not yawn to rise, but flowed downward in a warm, dim stream into material things, into matter, which she loved more than the spirit. 
The guy drank like before, lay in front of the TV, snored, scratched his balls, but appreciating the good attitude of his new wife, did take out the trash sometimes. The woman psychic bought herself a new apartment and car. In general, and on the whole, they were all happy and lived alone, until one day they died. Because happiness is achievable, but death is inevitable. That was Biomass, a story by Ala Gorbanova, translated by Alina Alter. Ala Gorbanova, born in Leningrad in 1985, is a poet, prose writer, translator, and critic. She has published five books of poetry and one book of short prose, and her work has been translated into 13 languages. Her translator, Alina Alter, is a writer and translator in New York. Her work has appeared in Bomb, Paris Review Daily, Modern Poetry and Translation, Guernica, Slice, Brooklyn Magazine, and Southeast Review. She's the editor of Circumference Poetry and Translation. Biomass was originally published in the New England Review in summer 2018. It was read by Masha Makatonina. Masha is a sophomore international student at Middlebury College who was born and raised in Odessa, Ukraine. She is majoring in international global studies and minoring in film and theater. Her other interests include French, dancing, and dreaming about living closer to the equator. We caught up with Masha in the studio after the recording session to talk to her about the process of reading and recording this story. Masha, you share a name with the protagonist. Did that affect your reading? Did you identify with her or did you try to read as more of an outside narrator? So I definitely tried to read it more as an outside narrator. And, um, of course, I haven't, in real life, I haven't lived through anything similar to this situation, so it was easier to kind of detach yourself from it. But in moments when uh, the husband directly addresses uh, the main protagonist and uh, says, Masha, it does feel, um, it did feel really engaging, and it, a couple of times it pulled me outside of my, out of my narrator voice. And that felt very, very touching, very personal. Culturally, was there anything that rang true to you or not true? Well, definitely a lot of things immediately resonated culturally. The situation with husband and alcoholic and uh, the teacher of literature who has a sad salary, uh, the archetypes of the psychic, uh, the friend who just is waiting to snap up the husband um, definitely felt very real and I feel like I saw those people in real life and I heard stories about them so the whole story was kind of soaked in this reality that uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm not sure how for how for American readers for but for Russian readers definitely was very engaging and very re- relatable how do you understand this phrase spiritual lady What did you think of the other types, like the alcoholic husband, the psychic? Yes, spiritual lady is an interesting one because um, 
when I read it in English, for me there is somewhat religious connotation to the word, and um, when you read the same term in Russian, the connotation is kind of uh, less religious and more to do with uh, morals and uh, uh, kind of people who are up in the clouds and really think more about philosophical questions of life and not uh, kind of matter of fact things. So that was one thing that uh, I hope uh, the readers don't attach religious connotation of the word spiritual. Future podcasts may include conversations with the readers and authors, snippets from the recording studio, or audio from the annual NER Out Loud live event held right here in Middlebury, Vermont. For more poems, stories, and essays, visit the New England Review online. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help more people find the show. And subscribe. This episode of NER Out Loud was recorded in the WRMC radio station on the Middlebury College campus in Middlebury, Vermont. My name is Megan Joe. NER Out Loud is produced by the New England Review in association with Middlebury College and Oratory Now. Our readers today were Emily Ma and Masha Makatonina, with stories by Emily Guminder and Ala Gorbanova. Our executive producers are Carolyn Keebler and Dana Yetin. Our sound engineer is Gary Sauvois, and our editors are Juliet Luini and Hannah McKenzie. This episode was directed by Dana Yetin and Sam Tompkins Martin, and produced by Juliet Luini and Tess Weitzner. Our original theme music is by Thomas Wentworth. Special thanks to Noah Sauer and Kylie Winger.